Hey everyone, Misaligned is back, and this is our final episode of our first of these new season-type shows that we're doing here. And before we dive into this final episode, we are going to let you know that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. There's plenty of cool stuff to check out over there, whether it's going back and listening to some of our old episodes, checking out all of the cool stuff that Modern Vinyl is doing for their podcast, or even digging into pilot study as you watch pilot episodes of TV shows. Tons of great content there, so definitely be sure to check that out. There's a little podcast tab, and it'll drop down and give you all the podcast titles, so you have nice, easy access to that on the front page of the website. But today we are going to be doing a bit of a discussion on some recent things we've been listening to from women in the music industry. But before we do that, Megan, I know you wanted to talk briefly about what happened with the shooting in Las Vegas. Yes. But first, all I wanted to do while you were talking about us being a part of the Modern Vinyl Family podcast was just say, insert the woo from grudges off of After Laughter here. <laughs> Would probably look better in writing, but here we are, and I'm talking about woos, and I'm going to go right into a very sad topic. So, everyone has heard about what happened at the Route 91 Festival in Las Vegas, where 58 people were killed, and country artists and fans alike were terrorized by a guy who has assault rifles, and it's terrifying. And we've got people talking about how it's terrifying to go to shows now, and this is a trend where I keep saying shows should absolutely be safe spaces. Well, it's not necessarily a safe space, but it's something that can help. Marin Morris, who performed at this year's Route 91 Harvest Festival um, just a few days, I think it was two days prior to the shooting, um, she has released the song Dear Hate which also features Vince Gill. She's had this song for a while. Um, she wrote it two years ago after the Charleston shooting, but didn't know when to properly release it. And she felt that releasing it after Las Vegas, especially since she was a part of this festival, would be a good idea. Her heart is broken. She feels sick. She also feels like she might have a little bit of survivor's guilt because of everything that happened afterwards. But it's a fantastic song. If you yeah. haven't listened to it yet, I highly recommend it. I mean, I also recommend seeing the cold open from this week's SNL, where Jason Aldean performed Tom Petty's Won't Back Down. I was which, going to talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah, which is a good remembrance for the legendary Tom Petty, but also a reminder that everyone is stronger than the current events and that we're not going to back down out of fear or anything like that. Now, back to this song. The proceeds from the song will be going to the Music City Cares Fund for the Las Vegas victims, and I will be linking to that in our show notes. The other thing is that Marin's been sitting on this song and she actually asked Vince Gill if he wanted to record it with her, and he agreed, free of charge which is amazing. I don't know when exactly it was recorded. 
I just know that I think it was the day after the shooting, I saw it appear on Spotify and I was like, I'm going to give this a listen. It's probably going to be very good. And I can't stop listening. I mean, I've gone ahead and bought it as well. It's fantastic. And a perfect reminder that we shouldn't let hate stand in the way of life today. Yeah, and I had heard about this song dropping. I just didn't get around to listening to it until today when you mentioned you wanted to talk about it on the podcast. And it is a very well done, well written song. And it doesn't, you know, she's not trying to take advantage of this situation to sell a song. And like you said, the proceeds are being donated too. So it's one of those things where you're going to see a lot of people in the music community really come together over this and you know Marin's song and Vince Gill working on her with it and Jason Aldean's performance that's sort of just the start of things probably as far as bringing the music community together and I know on the news there have been statements about new security procedures being put into place for concerts, especially large festivals and shows like that. So I'm sure, Megan, that's something you and I can probably discuss somewhere down the line, follow up on that and see how, you know, the concert going experience changes with all of these new security measures and everything like that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just as a brief tangent here, (laughs) an off topic tangent in a way, The concert going, I know that out here, the Festi is a festival that takes place in Nelson County, Virginia. Huge festival. And they were talking about procedures that they were taking in the aftermath of the shooting. And I know a few weeks ago was the concert for Charlottesville, which was designed to bring together the Charlottesville community, even though ticketing was probably a little bit strange and weird and not fair to a lot of actual Charlottesville residents. And the security for that, which was an event that happened well before the shooting, was incredible. I was there at the show and I had a field ticket. And of course, I didn't know that Scott Stadium was extremely steep. So getting down there in the dark was probably not my smartest idea. And uh, at every, like, I got wanded, I had to have actually they weren't allowing bags at all at that concert the only bag you could have was a clear bag or a small plastic bag that was also clear i think that might have more to do with the stadium regulations than concert safety right but i digress and then i had my ticket checked at least three or four times before getting down to the field for the performances themselves I guess they wanted to prevent people from in other sections just like flooding the field or causing even more of a safety hazard. And given the atmosphere of Charlottesville in the past month, actually past two months, it's October now, I think they definitely stepped up the security with that because there was a heavy police presence. And I mean, the police were yelling at us to get out of the road after the show. Like, if you want to get run over, that's fine. But don't say we didn't warn you. So it'll be interesting to see even what happens from there, because I remember also going to a concert in the wake of another shooting. I saw Beyonce last year, days after the Pulse shooting at Orlando, actually maybe a day after, and they had definitely stepped up the security as well. They were wanding people, they were patting down people, they had people walk through metal detectors, and I've even seen that at smaller venues where they've got the 
movable metal detectors that they can roll in and out for easy security. Yeah, and I've definitely seen some interesting choices when it comes to what kind of bags you can take into a festival because I was going to one recently. It was when I went to High and Low Fest. It said you couldn't have a backpack that was bigger than 10 inches by 10 inches. And anyone who has a backpack knows that most backpacks aren't square. So that was just a really weird thing because it was like, you know, my backpack, it has one compartment and then a little tiny, you know, flat front pocket that most people just put their phones in or something like that. And I felt like I couldn't even take that because it didn't fit those 10 by 10 dimensions, which, you know, it's one of those things where I was like, all right, well, I have a drawstring bag and technically it's slightly bigger than 10 by 10, but if I cinch it closed, it won't look like it. So it's just, you know, depending on the venue, I think too, because most people aren't really taking backpacks into stadiums because they want you to buy their food and do that because you're going to be there for an extended period of time, especially when you consider most stadiums are used for baseball or football for the most part. Yeah. So those are extended games. That's true. I mean, the Charlottesville concert, I think, I'm trying to remember what my boyfriend said. He was there for six hours. I was only there for a fraction of that. So I don't know. Yeah, it'll definitely be something that we'll follow along with as new things come up here and there. But Megan, why don't we go ahead and move on to our main discussion for this episode, which is just talking about some recent music we've been listening to. And I know the first one on our list here is Sammy Lanzetta's For Avery EP. And, you know, it's such a short EP that I feel like it's so easy for anyone listening to this to just go listen to it right after because it's literally nine minutes long and it's four songs. So none of the songs I noticed even went over two and a half minutes. So she's not, you know, like a straight punk artist that you would think of when you say, oh, hey, these songs are under two and a half minutes. But she definitely has a lot of different vibes going on in her music. Oh, my gosh. So I actually chatted with her at this point about a week and a half ago. And that's a feature that will be going live on Modern Vinyl later this week. And when I met her, the first thing she reminded me of was a punk rock Alana Glazier from Broad City. Okay. And she is so funny in person. She's super, super wonderful. And I have some notes here from my interview with her, which will be spun into a feature, which is great. So... She says that, let's see, where is it? Ah, yes, women are running rock and roll right now. She loves it. She enjoys hearing other artists. She enjoys hearing and seeing the support of other ladies in the music industry. And she's not trying to be like other female-fronted bands. And I can't wait for the day when we stop actually using female-fronted band as an actual term and just say band, but you know one day (laughs) and she told me that she's not really trying to go for any sound in particular she used to be in a band called venus flytrap and she said that they were grungy and when they got into the indie world they ended up creating some softer songs and she just kind of went with the flow so as she says her songs are more like mental vomit or anxiety rock and 
one day she didn't think anything would happen about you know signing to 6131 and she woke up to 20,000 Spotify plays yeah which just that's incredible but yes oh my gosh She's wonderful. For Avery is easily one of my favorite EPs this year. And I'm not saying that because I chatted with her. I'm saying that because I genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is Emily over at the Brixton Agency sent me a little preview of it and said she can be compared to artists like Lucy Dacus or Margaret Glaspie, which when I chatted with Sammy, she liked hearing those comparisons because she's friends with Lucy. Because Lucy is also well-known in the Richmond area. And she thinks it rocks that she's kind of being compared to her. Yeah, and I literally put that same thing down in our notes, that this might be one of my favorite EPs of the year. And a lot of people don't really pay too much attention to EPs when it comes to things like year end lists and everything like that. Those, for the most part, focus on full-length albums. And I think... You know, something I always try to do is I try to, you know, give maybe my top 10 albums and then my top five EPs if it's just something I'm putting up on my own website. And I know a lot of other websites, because they do have an actual staff, unlike mine, they'll typically just focus on the full lengths and maybe an EP or two will sneak in. But I feel like they don't really necessarily get the attention they might deserve because this one is a really really good EP and I think honestly everyone should be listening to it because there's just so many different genres blended in and while it does sort of have that more punk vibe to it at times there's just something so raw about her songwriting ability in this EP and for her solo act she only released a single song before this EP so this is sort of a good first look at what we can expect out of her solo project. Right. And I believe I saw that she will be on tour with Frankie Cosmos. Okay. I want to say, I'm pretty sure it's Frankie Cosmos. I remember seeing that pop up in my Facebook feed, but I know I'm hoping to see her this weekend. Um, She's performing in Charlottesville, so I'm going to go hopefully see her at a pizza place. <laughs> nice. That seems like the total perfect place for her to play to because you know when I was in Philly bands would play some of the weirdest places other than people's basements because you know being from California basements aren't really too much of a thing here so I was like oh people are doing shows in their basements that is cool yeah and actually I'm a total dingus and somehow mixed up Frankie Cosmos like I have Frankie Cosmos in the notes from my chat with her so that's probably why I just said it but she's actually going out on tour with Diet Sig. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I saw that tour floating around. Yeah, so that's that's going to be pretty cool, I think. But I'm, yeah, I'm a dingus. <laughs> this is go figure. Never, never read your notes and then try to remember who people are going on tour with. Because chances are you might be wrong when you say things. <laughs> It's fine. Ooh. Close enough. You, you you corrected it. It's fine. But why don't we yeah. go ahead and move on to Phoebe Bridgers because she is someone that I didn't get into her album as soon as I heard about it. I sort of waited for a bit and this hype sort of started building up around her album when a bunch of my friends started listening to it. I know Jacob Tender and Jason Tate really got into it and that's when I sort of was like, okay, 
I need to listen to this. And I listened to it. I think Mandy Moore is also really big into this album as well. Oh, okay. I, I remember I don't seeing think I that on her? our Instagram. <laughs> oh my gosh, you should. But I'm now following her because the whole Dawes connection on top of me just loving her. <laughs> but yeah, she's been digging that record too. Yeah. And the first comparison I was seeing was, you know, she sort of has those Julian Baker vibes. And listening to this album, I definitely see those similarities, even though their music might be a little different. I see it in the songwriting. And it's just one of those albums where you don't want to sleep on it quite as long as I did. So if you're listening to this and haven't listened to it, you should go do that right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, She's going to blow up. I can see it now. Kind of blow up in the way that Julian's been blowing up. Yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, Julian is going to be going on tour soon. I'm actually kind of bummed. I think I saw that she's also going to be in Charlottesville on Sunday. And I'm trying to choose between Julian and Sammy. But Julian will be performing with Half Wave and Pedal on this upcoming tour. I think there was someone else too, but I definitely remember Half Wave and Pedal being announced for at least the Charlottesville date. Yeah, and it would be really cool to see the two of them go on tour together, Phoebe and Julian. And by the way, the album title is Stranger in the Alps, and it's just, it's listed under alternative in iTunes, and I feel like that's because they don't really, you know, do the nitty gritty breaking down of genres when you go to put your music on streaming services and everything. But it feels a lot more like a folk alternative, folk rock kind of thing. Wouldn't you agree? I'd say so. And I mean, that's basically what I've been listening to lately, too, especially with the I'm With Her supergroup with like Sarah Watkins and Sarah DeRose and Afe O'Donovan. Yeah, and I know you are a Spotify user, so I don't know if Spotify does what Apple Music is doing right now, but Apple Music will tell you which of your friends have listened to a specific album, and I think that's something that's pretty cool because you can sort of be like, okay, what's this person listening to? Do I need to be listening to this? How many people are listening to it? And you know, I know we are going to talk about Spotify a little later in your recommendations, Mm -hmm. so I don't want to dig too deep. (laughs) I think it was actually something that used to be on the Spotify app. Okay. I don't know if it was on the iOS version. I definitely remember seeing your friends, like which of your friends have listened to a certain artist, at least on the desktop app, but they've changed it around so much that I don't even know at this point. But let's see. Oh, yeah. They've got some great related artists for Phoebe on here. They've got Kevin Morby, Aldous Harding, Julian. Makes sense. <laughs> Margaret Glassby, Waxahachie, Andy Schaff, and Mitski. So that's awesome. Speaking of Mitski, can can we just talk about the fact that she's opening for Lord? Like, yeah, I what? saw that. That's, that's crazy. amazing. Mitski, Run the Jewels, and Lord. That is quite oh the gosh. light up there. <laughs> and now I have to, you know consider going to the anthem in dc just to see that because that's a dream lineup right there and now that i'm also still rambling over here we were talking about the distinction with um phoebe and julian and i also want to add in here as a very super last minute 
addition to today's podcast is that Julian Baker was on A Prairie Home Companion, which if you're not familiar with A Prairie Home Companion, it is a public radio program um, brought to you by the Minnesota Public Radio. It's hosted by Chris Thiele of the Punch Brothers. He takes over from Garrison Keillor, who used to do A Prairie Home Companion. And the latest episode, I think it's the season opener for them. But she performed a new song last night called Hurt Less, and that is coming off of Turn Out the Lights. She also performed Appointments. I mean, obviously, since that's the big single right now. And she performed a rendition of the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I have listened to just the new song, Hurt Less, and just my feelings are a wreck. When Julian's album comes out in full, you will probably find me sobbing in a corner. (laughs) Yeah, I did see something about she performed a new song live. Was it just fan video or was there like an official video for it? There is actually, you can listen to A Prairie Home Companion. I will be sure to link this episode as well in our notes. But this episode also features appearances by Chris Stapleton, who is amazing live. I got to see him at the concert for Charlottesville. And oh my goodness, just yes. (laughs) So much yes. And the fact that Julian got to perform pretty much in the same show as Chris Stapleton, that's wild to me. Yeah. Like that, I would like to see that. I mean, I thought Julian opening for the Decemberist was a weird choice but it kind of worked and it was great and now look at her on prairie home companion (laughs) but it also features let's see here emily king and the comedian laurie kilmartin i also believe this episode of a prairie home companion features chris thiele doing a tom petty cover in honor of tom petty so that's not awful either his covers are like if you're familiar with the punch brothers they've got some really good covers uh one of their big covers was actually on AV Undercover. I forget which season, but the Punch Brothers did Reptilia by The Strokes. Okay. And I believe they also have a Radiohead cover floating around. I know that Chris did a cover with Sarah Jarose. It's also a Radiohead cover. So covers are good. I'll always vouch for how good covers can be. Yeah, definitely. And... I know you want to really talk about this next artist and their Tiny Desk appearance, so I will let you do the introduction for this one. Oh my gosh. If you heard our episode with Maria Sherman, you heard us talking a little bit about this, but this is the long-awaited Paramore Tiny Desk concert. They performed three songs in the DC office, and oh my gosh, my feelings were everywhere. (laughs) Like, have, have you actually watched it? Or yeah, did you I, just did, listen? I, I did watch it okay. and I do have an MP3 of it. So, you know, I will probably listen to this at least a couple more times. I'm not usually big on listening to live performances so much because I feel like, well, you know, I have the studio version of these songs and if I go see them live, then, you know, I'll get that live version. But I, Paramore might be a little out of my price range now these days. So yeah, kind of bummed I missed them in National Harbor, but that's life. Yeah, I have seen them live once at least. So I do have that. And it was 
back one of the times when they played select dates on Warp Tour and I drove down to San Diego, which is further than most Warp Tour dates that I've gone to yep. just to see, see them. I've, I've never had Paramore by Warp Tour dates, so I've never seen them. One day I will. One day, yes. And the song, yeah, like, oh my gosh, I've seen the live videos from this tour. I've seen my friends' videos. I'm just like, the FOMO is real. <laughs> but on this tiny desk, which always has unique performances, like, you technically can't perform on tiny desk more than once unless you do something different. Like, Alt-J, for example, has performed twice now, I believe. And the second time, they really had to pull the strings to do something totally different than their last performance. But they performed, they opened with Hard Times, obviously, because why not open with an awesome single? And from there, instead of having the drum machine with like the poppy beats, it goes to Taylor and Haley performing 26. And you can see the sadness in her face when she performs 26 and of course I sat there tearing up because I'm a sap and I still stand by the fact that 26 is my favorite song off of After Laughter and then to you know make everyone not weepy and sad they did an awesome rendition of Fake Happy yeah so the three song Tiny Desk is just it's great they're great. Bob Boylan's great. NPR is great. This is easily one of my favorite Tiny Desks from this year. Yeah, and they definitely know how to get artists that will put on good performances, too. And I think with the song selection that Paramore had for this one, just the fact that 26, it was just her and Taylor performing and the rest of the band sort of just had to sit there. It didn't seem like one of those situations where it would probably be awkward for most bands to sit there and not have the majority of their members doing anything during a song, but they made it work. And I think I was looking around the office and I was like, this totally feels like a Paramore room to just the way, you know, they have the office decorated and everything for the tiny desk oh, section. Yeah. I was like, this really just feels like a whole Paramore vibe here. And, you know, with certain bands, maybe that that same backdrop doesn't quite give you that same impression. But I feel like here they really just had something that worked all around and that made the performance as good as it was even though, you know, you still have Haley putting on a great performance herself, too. It wasn't, you know, solely one thing or the other. It was sort of just everything coming together. True. And I'm just going to add in here that Tiny Desk concerts are available on the podcast app, if you have an iPhone. And you can get them in either an audio or a video format, which is very, very nice. Like, right now... The most recent episode that comes up for audio is the Paramore episode. Right. Which is already one of the best of the podcast. But if I were to go to, say, the video one, because another band, I want to say, performed too, they have way more video tiny desks. Like, sometimes you just have to watch them as opposed to listen to them. I don't know. I'm not seeing it. They tricked you. Then again, I'm also... <laughs> yeah, you know what? I updated to iOS 11 and they completely changed the podcast app. So this is my first time going through it. Yeah, I don't know if I've even opened it. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah, it's 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 kind of confusing. Snail mail. 
Snail Mail also did a tiny desk, and I believe... I, I think they may have done it on the same day. Don't quote me on this, though, because I do remember seeing just stuff about Snail Mail and Haley together, an ultimate fangirl moment. But while we're talking about Tiny Desks and while I actually have this pulled up here, Snail Mail's is from September 14th. Uh, the Paramore one is from October 1st. And this was something that has been teased heavily on social media for the past, like, two and a half weeks, I want to say. But if you like that, you will probably like the other Tiny Desk concerts like Bleachers or Jason Isbell or even Diet Sig. Diet Sig, I forgot they did a Tiny Desk this year, too. Yeah. And like I said, they get a ton of great artists. One of the things I want to mention real quick before we move on, when I was listening to this, I kept getting this feeling. I was like, what if Haley Williams and Kesha did a song together? Because they're sort of in this new mindset, the two of them, for you know where they are artistically now. And I think that's something that could be a really interesting mashup. Oh my god, yes, please. Yes, please. That would be amazing. And just, it, oh my gosh. I think the music world might implode. <laughs> Because you'd have everyone wearing glitter in ode to this current essence that Paramore has. And also, maybe... Because I don't think Kesha really wants to be associated with the glitter era anymore. Right. Like the party girl era. But I think she could still appreciate it. You know? Yeah. And with the direction Paramore is going in and with Kesha's new album, I really feel like... Not that their sounds are exactly alike because they definitely aren't, but I feel like their two voices more so would mesh really well together on a song. And obviously the backing music would probably have to be somewhere in between the two or you know what? Something you like know that. what? Talking about this, and as I'm going back through even the Paramore discography from the self-titled Hate to See Your Heartbreak, when I think in the extended version, they added on some bonus tracks and Haley performed with Joy Williams of the Civil Wars. And I feel like if Haley and Kesha ever did a collaboration, it could potentially be something like the Joy Williams version of Hate to See Your Heartbreak. Okay. Which I could see that, like, given Kesha's current direction, that would be really good. Meanwhile, I'm still hoping over here for a potential Casey Musgraves and Haley collaboration one day. Yeah, we could probably do a full episode on who we want to have doing songs with each other in the, you know, pop and country and sort of alternative worlds here. But I think, you know, if we did that now, we'd probably ramble on way too long. But I know you we have would. another song that you want to talk about that you actually brought to my attention because I had no clue this existed and I still don't know what the song is saying, but it was very catchy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as everyone knows, reggaeton is very popular right now, partially thanks to Despacito. But while we talk about terrible things that happen, we should mention what's going on in Puerto Rico right now, as well as Florida and Texas with the hurricanes. Irma, Harvey, and Maria are the three hurricanes that just decimated the Atlantic Ocean this year and literally decimated the island of Puerto Rico. So Beyonce, the charity queen that she is, actually 
helped with a remix of a song. Oh, and hey, according to Billboard, I guess Blue Ivy helped out with it too. So Jay Balvin and Willie William have a song called Mi Gente. And it had already become the first all-Spanish language song to hit number one on Spotify's Global 50 chart. And now, oh my gosh, I just clicked on this Billboard article to talk more about it. And it says, now it's taking on a new life thanks in part to a certain five-year-old tastemaker. So this song was announced, I think, two weeks ago? No, a week ago. Anyway, it came out and Beyonce shared a 20-second video on her Instagram saying that she had joined a remix of this song and all of her proceeds would go straight to disaster relief charities for Puerto Rico, Mexico, and the other recently affected Caribbean islands. So this is actually really cool because she sings in English and Spanish on the track. It's kind of fun to watch the video because I believe they have the lyrics at the bottom and it has the heads of the artists. Okay. And it's kind of like a little sing-along. But it racked up millions of streams in its first 24 hours, topped the iTunes sales chart and YouTube's trend ranking, and it's a hit. Like, I think it will probably be bigger than Despacito and not just because Beyonce's on it. Right. So it's a remake of a song by the French DJ Willie William, and originally it was released in April. After it was released, there was talk of having it like get a general market remix, but Rebecca Leon, who co-manages Balvin with his label Universal Music Latin Entertainment, wanted it to get wanted it to live for a while and get as big as it could on a global scale in Spanish, and they wanted to make it number one on Spotify at a global level. So it was trailing Despacito, which was also released by Universal Music Latin Entertainment. And on August 1st, it hit its mark and usurped Despacito. I think any song that has the blessing of Beyonce on it is better than a song that has Justin Bieber on it. (laughs) And she can probably actually sing the words live, unlike Justin, who doesn't want to perform it because he doesn't know the words. Yeah, and the thing is, Beyonce did an entire album in Spanish, if I'm remembering Mm -hmm. correctly. I just know when I was taking one of my Spanish classes in high school, we learned Irreplaceable in Spanish. So I know she has definitely sung in Spanish before. I want to say that she has that song with Shakira. Yeah, she has that too. I think she did Beautiful Liar in Spanish with Shakira. But yeah, so this Baldwin guy, you know, has already collaborated with Justin Bieber and Ageless Wonder Pharrell and remixes with any names were infinitely possible. A lot of people wanted to work with him on this and Beyonce was at the top of the list. And when she was asked to the team's surprise, she said yes, motivated in part by her daughter Blue. And as Billboard notes, it's Azul in Spanish and Blue's love of Mi Gente. They didn't think that Beyonce was actually going to say yes to recording this song. And within weeks, she was recording the Spanish version, along with help from Louis Fonzi's brother, Gene Rodriguez. So to this original Mi Gente, she added lines in English, shout outs to Houston, and of course, probably what's going to be the most famous line of all, Azul, are you with me? Oh, yes, I am, answers Blue. There were definitely quite a few languages in this song because, as you mentioned, one of the guys is French, so you had some French in there, too, on top of that. Yeah, well, that would be Willie William. Yeah. 
the DJ. So she is using this song to benefit charities, including Sima UNICEF and Somos Una Voz. And to underscore the message, she also added a line to the song, Lift Up Your People, Texas, Puerto Rico, Dem Islands to Mexico. So if you need a good dance jam, definitely check out Mi Gente. Like, I'm still going to be jamming it for quite some time. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that wraps up our general music discussion for today. So we, of course, are going to give you all our recommendations for the week. Megan, I know... Like I said earlier, yours is Spotify related, which I don't use, but I've been hearing quite a bit about this. So why don't you just let us know what it is first? So Spotify in the recent few weeks has released something called your time capsule. And you can go to a link. I'll try to find it and put it in our show notes as well. But you can go to a link and it will give you a time capsule based on songs a lot of people are saying it's songs that they listen to in high school. Okay. Which is fairly accurate. Like, my list includes Census Fail, Under Oath, Jack's Mannequin, obviously, um, <laughs> Something Corporate, Cartel, Bayside, Acceptance, Brand New. A lot of really great artists that, you know, defined my high school years and early college years, like Enter Shikari. Um, it also includes medicating by boys night out which i keep forgetting is such a jam but basically it's designed to bring you back to that feeling of nostalgia because we're all getting old and it's good to remember some of these songs that you probably haven't heard in forever the interesting thing is i'm trying to figure out how they calculated mine because mine definitely has a lot of songs that were featured on the oc soundtracks like dios malos is you've got me all wrong but it also features on mine, and I'm still kind of confused. I can't help myself by Nobody's Angel. I think it was in a Disney Channel original movie. It's definitely from at least 2000, so I would have been jamming to it in either 5th or 6th grade. So that that song is the outlier on my list, but it's pretty solid. Yeah, and I've definitely been hearing that the lists overall have been pretty accurate, and yeah, it's one of those things where it'll be interesting to see like if I were to go on that because I haven't used Spotify in so long, but I do use it to make playlists for the website if that's something that would account for some of those songs if I have been making playlists with certain songs in them. And to be honest, quite a few of the songs on some of the playlists I've made from, you know, bands emailing me their playlist choices and everything are not things that I would listen to at all pretty much so I think you know maybe I'll have to report back on that or something later yeah like it's been fun seeing these pop up across social media between some of the journalism folks that I know who are much older than myself and to kind of compare and contrast like to see the different decades spanned in these lists yeah definitely well, my recommendation for the week is something I know you also enjoy, Megan. My recommendation is Riverdale because I 
recently binge watched that and I actually just did a post on some similarities between Riverdale and One Tree Hill over at Hidden Remote, which was fun to do. I didn't go super in depth on it. It was more just some surface level comparisons and similarities that I noticed while I was binge watching and I just felt like I had to get them out, get them in an article because I felt like I was going to go crazy if I didn't. But it's one of those and the new season's coming out soon yeah it's actually coming i think by the time you hear this or shortly after you hear this so it'll be out comes out wednesday whatever day the 11th is if that's wednesday i think that's wednesday when this is coming out (laughs) so if you yep it's wednesday it's wednesday just did the math (laughs) yeah so if you have watched season one obviously hello come enjoy season two and if you haven't It's on Netflix, which is how I binge watched it. And it was so quick to get through because it's a regular channel TV show. So, you know, the episodes were really only like 40, 45 minutes tops, pretty much. And it's just a really good teen drama. And it's also based off of the Archie comics. So if you are into the Archie comics, it won't be quite like the Archie comics, but it'll be those characters it's that you so are much darker with. yes it's so much darker and you might not even like the way that the characters are portrayed if you are a fan of the original comics like it's it's dark like Jughead definitely isn't the goofy guy that he is in the comics yeah and I think them taking that darker root sort of made it something I think I enjoyed a little more because of that because I feel like there have been so many Archie comics over the years because, you know, Archie's been around for a while that if they tried to sort of just keep following that exactly like the comics were, I don't know if it would have worked quite as well as this dramatic TV show. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm here for KJ Appa's abs. Uh, I am a bughead shipper between Betty and Jughead. Spoilers if you haven't watched the show on. Not sorry. You've probably seen it on the internet everywhere. Those are minor spoilers, and though. KJ Oppa's abs aren't. They're, like, right there in full force <laughs> in the first episode. Like, hello. Um, he plays Archie. So, of course, naturally, he would be the one with the nice abs. Anyway, before I trail off into nice abdom here, it also features characters within the Archie comic universe as well. Like, they've got Josie and the Pussycats, There's been talk of maybe including Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which I think would be pretty awesome. Yeah, because they're doing a spinoff show for Sabrina. I'm I'm here for this. (laughs) But yeah, like not a lot of people think or even remember properly that Josie and the Pussycats are in that Archieverse. Yeah, I remember the first time they came on the screen and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a thing from that, not from something else. And it's just really well done and I'm very interested in seeing where it goes in season two and obviously comparing Riverdale's first season to the entirety of One Tree Hill was something that you know I definitely plan on updating as Riverdale continues because you and I have no clue how long this show is going to go and I think One Tree Hill probably lasted quite a bit longer than people thought it would. (laughs) Which means we need justice for the OC here, which only lasted four seasons. I have not watched that yet. Still heartbroken. It's on my list. Have not watched it yet. You should watch it. It's very good. Which is also why I went with One Tree Hill for the comparisons, because I was way more familiar with that show than something like the OC or 
is it Laguna Beach? I think it's Laguna Beach. The reality show <laughs> that gave us such wonderful people <laughs> like Spencer and Heidi, aka Spidey, who just had a child. Good grief. See, I paid so little attention to that. I didn't realize it was a reality show. I just assumed it yeah, was another it's... one like the OC because it's literally like no, in the it's, same neighborhood. It's a reality <laughs> show. It gave us uh, Lauren Conrad and Kristen Cavalletti, all those lovely folks. Okay, but... Gossip Girl. There, yeah, there's a different yeah, one. Like, <laughs> Another one I have not watched. <laughs> there's definitely some comparisons between Riverdale, One Tree Hill, Gossip Girl, The OC, basically every teen drama that's out there. Like, I'm not. Unless it's superhero related. The, yeah, like even Smallville, there could be some comparisons. But I've never been big into the teen dramas in the current day and age, like Pretty Little Liars. I definitely watch that. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I'm so into Riverdale, it's crazy. Yeah, awesome. Well, before we get off track here, we're going to go ahead and just wrap this up. And this season, I think it definitely went well. So we plan to brainstorm here in the next week or so to bring you guys a new idea for season two. And we will definitely be announcing on Twitter when we plan to get that up. Hopefully, we will not be taking as long of a hiatus this time since we have you know everything going here we're sort of on a good timeline with everything but i just want to thank you all for listening to this new seasonal theme idea and hopefully you know we can continue this and megan and i will keep coming up with some great guests to come on we'll definitely continue the book discussions and we just really want to give you guys some great content that hopefully will keep people listening for years to come because it'll still be relevant to the music industry. Yeah. And if you guys have any suggestions whatsoever, please feel free to tweet at us or email us and help. Yeah. Just drop us a line. Let us know your thoughts on how this season went, what you would want to hear in the future, maybe potential theme ideas or to go along with that book ideas for future themes. Yes. And, you know, Megan and I will probably never be short of books to read. So we are always welcoming new suggestions because we love books, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's the Lonely Island song? We like sports. So we would just be like, we like books. We don't care. Who knows? We like sports, too. But that's a whole separate topic, not for this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to be back sooner rather than later. But as always, we hope you all enjoy the rest of your day.